Good morning. Hey, thanks so much for being here. You guys uh, caught up with us at the end of a series that we've been walking through for most of the month of November, uh, where we said we wanted to condition ourselves to have some, some healthier habits and uh, just some, create some, some practices in our lives to be able to uh, just kind of improve the quality of not only our life, but of our relationships and all that other kind of stuff. And so uh, just as a bit of recap, uh, so that you guys can kind of track along with us um, and remembering back through what we've kind of talked through over the course of this series, we started off in week number one by saying that we, uh, we wanted to renew our minds. And we said that by the best way for us to do that, to, to change the way that we think, particularly in regards to our relationship with God, was that at the end of every day that we would ask ourselves three questions. We would ask ourselves, what did I do today that, that honored God or that would have made God proud? Something like that. What did, what did I do to, to make a good impact into the lives of other people today? Like what, what was that, what was that thing? Right. And then we said that was there, was there a, an opportunity that I missed? to make a gospel impact. Say, what, where did I miss an opportunity where I felt like there was an opportunity or there was a, an interaction with someone or an opportunity to do some good that I, that I missed? Like, where was that? And then um, what, what did I do today that would have disappointed or dishonored God? So we're gonna ask those three questions. And then in week number, uh, week number two, uh, we talked about the comparison trap, right? How when we compare ourselves to other people that we're, we're living a, a life and trying to walk out an identity that doesn't belong to us. And we said that the healthy habit we needed to create for that was to begin celebrating other people, their accomplishments, their successes, their achievements, that I'll celebrate the goodness of God across every life and in every life, not just my own. And then that would help us to avoid some of the comparison uh, difficulties that we find and the things that it creates in our own life. And then last week, we talked about uh, overcoming anxiety and, and how to deal with difficult circumstances and situations in which that we find ourselves in. And I gave you a three word kind of mantra that we were gonna recite, right? Which was to accept adapt and acknowledge, accept the, the, the way the things are the way that they are, to, to change my perspective based on the situation. If it's a good one, then I, I, re, I react and respond differently. If I'm in a bad situation, I react and respond differently. And then I acknowledge that God is in all of that, that God is in the good as well as the bad. And if we can kind of find a way to, to, to framework our lives around that idea that God is in all situations, that that helps us live absent of anxiety. And today I want to help us with another, with another habit all around this idea of being generous people, being generous people, right? Just, just this, this act of and, and mentality of generosity in the way that we live, right? So um, do you guys remember in school, like for those of us that are already like old and graduated, like some of y'all are still in school students, but even when we were really, really little, they told us, like they called them the, they called them the six W's, there were the five W's plus how, but you know, how was kind of counted as a W, so they called them the six W's. You guys remember this? The, the what, when, why, where, who, I miss what, I don't know. You guys remember those? What, where, when, why, how, and who, right? You guys remember those? Like that, if we could, if you could tell a story or if you could communicate information that included all of the six W's, then, then you told a good story that everything was complete. 
Well, I was walking through the text that I'm going to share with you guys here in just a few minutes. And what I realized is that in just three verses in a letter that Paul wrote to his young protege, Timothy, in just three verses, Paul gives us what I'm calling and what the title for my message today is this. It's the six W's of generosity. We're going to hit them all and we're going to do it in just three Verses. So I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna do. Just kind of, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you before I tell you what I'm gonna tell you. All right, so I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you. I, I'm gonna read all three verses and then we're gonna kind of go back and pick them apart verse by verse. All right, so this is what we're reading together today. First Timothy chapter six, verses 17, 18, and 19. And this is Paul writing to Timothy and he says this. He says, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant, or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. So we gotta walk through our six W's. Let's go back. We're gonna start with the who. In verse number 17, Paul says, instruct those who are rich. All right, so our, our first, first, we're gonna cover the who first. The who, that's the rich. All right, and if you didn't know that, that's you. You're like, oh, I, I didn't realize I was rich. Probably because you compare yourself to the richest people that you know. Remember comparison, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. All right, when you compare yourself to people who you know who are wealthier than you, it's easy to miss the reality that you and I are very, very, very rich people, most likely. Um, let, me, let me give you just, a, just to kind of give us a, bit of understanding of this. I looked up just a few statistics uh, to be able to help us understand what it looks like and feels like to be rich people. All right, so this is the first one. Out of 8 billion people on our planet, 3 billion of them live on less than two US dollars a day. Anybody here make more than $2 an hour? Three billion, almost, just, just like about 35%, 35 to 40% of the entire global population lives on less than $2 a day. Most of us would be entirely irritated if we made that in an hour. All right. Here's another one. People with an annual salary of $41,000, that's, that's a decent job. But if you make $41,000 a year or more, you are in the top 3% of wage earners in the world. You are in the top 3% of richest people on the face of the planet if you make $41,000 a year or more. You're rich, man. A lot of us, we are incredibly wealthy when the backdrop is the world. 
Some of you, oh my gosh, I can't believe how rich you are. Some of you, some of you have a car that slept inside last night. Your car had its own room in your house. Some of you more than one if you have a garage that's not like mine where you can actually get two vehicles in it. Right? Like some of us, like our cars have better lodging than a vast majority of the global population. You, my friends, y'all are some rich, rich People. So when Paul says to Timothy, instruct those who are rich, that's you. That's you. And that's me. We have one car that sleeps inside. My truck stays out. The motorcycle stays in though. Like, so like, wait, like we, we, we are some rich, rich, rich people. Then he goes on. Now we're going to look at the wind because he says, in the present age, instruct those who are rich in the present age. So our win of our six W's is this, it's in the present age. That's, so the rich people, that's you. In the present age, that's now. In case you weren't aware that present is like right now. All right, just in case, in case y'all missed second grade, I wanna make sure we get the present tense kind of deal, right? So Paul says in his beginning to the present age, here's what that means. When he talks about the wealthy in the present age or the rich in the present age, here's what that means. If you are rich in the present age, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be rich otherwise. That your wealth, your, your, your richness, your wealth is only for this age. It doesn't translate, it doesn't carry over. So when he says that the rich in this present age, what Paul is saying is that you are only rich for the present age. You ever heard you can't take it with you? That's a true statement. It's biblical. That's what Paul is getting at here. So he's encouraging us to live like even our wealth is temporary. He's, he's encouraging us to live with a futuristic mindset of our heavenly home, which is where he's going to go next. But we'll get there in a second. Paul is saying that our, this present world, it, do, it denotes a perspective that's focused on the world that's after this one, not the one that we're in currently Christians always live with a heavenly perspective you have to because scripture tells us that this this world this age this time this is not our home this is not our eternity this is our temporal this is this is fleeting this is momentary this world in which we live so we should shift our focus on, on where we're gonna spend the majority of our existence. And that is not in this world and in this life with the wealth that you currently possess. And he goes on to give us the how. He says this in verse 18, he instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. Our how in the six W's of generosity is this. Be good, like, like be good. Do good, and then just give your stuff away. Just give it away. Doing what is good is how we use our wealth. Remember how, remember how rich you are? Paul says, use your wealth 
in a, in a positive way instead of just on personal luxury. Listen, I don't have a problem in the world with people who have extra income having nice, I don't have a problem in the world with people having nice things. I think that you should. I think it's a healthy way as long as that is balanced with a generous spirit. Now, I think, I think that our generosity and what we give away should match what we buy for ourselves. Right, And if you can afford to do both, if you can give away as much as you purchase, if you can afford the four bajillion dollar house, but you're giving away four bajillion dollars a year, go for it, man. Own that, own that 345,000 square foot house, whatever. I don't know. I'm making up numbers like crazy right now. Like, but, but, but let your generosity, what you give away, let it match what you, what you, what you purchase for. Paul says, use your wealth. Do good. With it. Be, be rich in not only in what you give away, but in good works. Good works points in the directions of what makes someone truly wealthy. And he says, be generous and willing to share. That's just freely giving away of your wealth to others. This, uh, this has kind of become a, 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 not just a habit of mine, but almost a hobby of mine. I love I love to, to, to bless other people because I've been blessed from time to time and I love how it felt and I love having that impact and effect on other people. I, um, I spend a lot of time at like home improvement stores like Lowe's and Home Depot. I go to those places a lot. Uh, they know me. Like I walk in, it's like, what's up? You know, like, we, like we, we're on a first name basis with a lot of people that work there because of how much money I spend at Lowe's. Um, so, but, but there was a day at Lowe's, I had, I had a bunch of stuff, big, heavy pieces of, of plywood and, and long pieces of lumber. And I was struggling, y'all, like straight up, like captain of the struggle bus, trying to get this stuff into the bed of my truck by myself, off a cart, get it, whatever, the whole deal. And some dude, he, he just walked by and he said, hey man, you need a hand? Normally, like my pride would have been like, nah, man, I got this. I'm like, I'm trying to be all sweat. No, uh-uh. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I would love a hand. And this dude helped me load all of this stuff into the bed of my truck. And ever, I so appreciated it. And I was so grateful for what this guy did. His generosity. He, he didn't have to stop. That was his time. That was his back, his effort, right? He stopped and he helped. And ever since then, every single time I pull into Lowe's, I'm there a lot. I'm looking for guys in the parking lot with a load full of plywood or a whole bunch of lumber that they got to load into the back of a truck or on a trailer. And every single time I, I follow the example of something that I appreciated and I stop and I ask, hey, can I give you a hand? Can I help you get that loaded? Sometimes they, sometimes they accept, sometimes they don't. But I, I love this idea of doing what is unexpected for the blessing and benefit of somebody else. Paul said, that's, that's what Christians do. They just give away their time. They give away their effort. They give away their money. They give away their talent. If there's something that you're good at that you can do for someone else, that should be a resource that you leverage for the benefit of other people as well. That's, that's ministry. That's how the church operates. We operate on the giftedness of so many of, of you and the willingness to be generous with your time, your, your, your abilities and your resources. Paul says that it's what you give away that matters. I think he would go so far as to say, that's how you measure real wealth. Because when you're willing to give something away, it shows that your dependence is not on what you have because you believe that God is the one that provides all of that. So when your dependence isn't on what you have, 
then your dependence is on God. Therefore, your wealth is measured not in what you have, but in what you give away. You can write this down. Genuine wealth is found not in what we give. I'm sorry. Genuine wealth is found in what we give, not in what we have. Your wealth is determined by how much of, you, how much of it you are willing to part with because that, that demonstrates a dependency on the sufficiency of your heavenly father. Genuine wealth is found in what we give, not what we have. Paul goes on, verse 19. He says that this is storing up a treasure for themselves as a good foundation. The what? What we are accomplishing when we do this, what we are doing when we do this, is we're building a strong foundation. That's the what. A strong foundation is what this does. When we are generous, when we are, when we are giving away, we are actually storing up. That is the paradoxical nature of the Christian life. It, it seems upside down and, and backwards, but this is how it works. Giving, giving away stores it up. Paul says, be generous, give it away, be rich in good works, share what you have with other people. And when you give it away, you store up for yourself something that creates a good foundation. Your willingness to share with others is the foundation of what God wants to build in your life on this side of eternity and in the next. That's the what. Paul says, every time that we do good, every time that we give of ourselves for the benefit of somebody else, that it's, it's producing something in and for and through us. That's the what. Then he gives us the where. It's for the coming age. They're storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age. I thought this was interesting as I was reading this and trying to make it all work. And when I started kind of getting this idea for this six W's thing, I was like, how do I get the where? Like where, where, where is the where? Like I was trying to figure it out. And then I realized that when we talk about the present age, that's a time frame. We're in the time frame of the present age, but the coming age is not a time. The coming age is a place. The coming age is our home in heaven with our father who loves us. The present age is a when, the coming age is a where. Again, we've already covered this, but just for the sake of repetition and remembering, for the Christ follower, heaven is a constant perspective. Heaven is always in view for the follower of Christ. I'm not trying to stockpile for now. I'm building my life with heaven in mind. And this isn't like a, get to, a give to get kind of thing. We're not, we're not doing good stuff so that we, we, we're not doing it so that we get a big mansion or whatever in the kingdom of heaven. Like that's not the goal. We're not giving now so that we get later. It's not, this isn't necessarily an investment for our own benefit later. But Paul's saying that is the result that when we do good out of the goodness in our heart, that it produces a good foundation for us in the here and for the later. I wrote this in my notes and I wasn't gonna say it because it's really cheesy, but I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it. 
Uh, if it was given to me, I can give it to thee. I thought we'd go King Jimmy. I throw a thee at y'all. Uh, only because I like stuff that rhymes, even though it's cheesy. If it was given to me, I can give it to thee. Y'all like that? I, I don't, but I'm going to say, if you like it, you can write it down, take it with you, tell somebody you thought it up. Don't give me credit for it. Don't quote me. So that's the where. Our where is our heavenly home. That's the where. Because my focus as a follower of Christ is not, it's not on the now. It's on the then, and the then is not a time, it's a place. It's home. We have this conversation quite regularly here, but again, for the sake of emphasis, I'll repeat it. Every time I go on vacation, I can't wait to get home. I love vacation. I love to go do fun stuff. But there's something special and comfortable and comforting about home. I can't wait for my bed and my couch and my dog and my house. Like, I want to be home. I can't wait to get back. That's how we live our lives as followers of Christ. I love this world. I love all the great things that we get to. And just like vacation for me, I'm enjoying life. But I can't wait to get home. That's what Paul is saying. Enjoy vacation, but, but, but enjoy it so, don't enjoy it so much that you miss the comfort and the perspective of I can't wait to get home. That's how we live. That's why. Our where is heaven. And then my favorite part of this passage is, is the last part, because it's the why. If we don't have a good why for the things that we do, you, you, you're, missing, you're missing out on purpose. So this is what Paul says. He says, so that storing up treasure for themselves as a foundation in the coming age, so that. Y- y'all remember how we do me time? Y'all know what so that is? Anybody? It's cause and effect, right? We do this, we store up for a good foundation, so that. This is cause and effect. We taught y'all how to study the Bible. Y'all looked at me with a blank stare. I'm really disappointed. So that they may take hold of what is truly life. Our why it's to have a true life. You're like true life, like what does that even mean? Well, if there's a, if Paul says that being generous and living with a heavenly perspective produces a true life, then that means there is an untrue or incomplete version of your life. If Paul says that being generous and living with a generous spirit and and doing good and being good and giving stuff away, if that produces in us the true life, then the opposite of that is also true. To not do those things, to not be generous, to not live in a way where we're willing to share what we have with other people. To, To do that is to live an untrue, I would call that an incomplete life. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying generosity completes you. Y'all remember Jerry Maguire? Like it completes, like you complete me. Like, 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 like it, generosity, having a generous lifestyle, it, it completes us. It fulfills us. My favorite way to say this, my favorite way to say this is this, and you can write it down. Generosity unlocks something in you 
that nothing else can unlock. Until you become a generous person, there is a version of your life that you are, that you are at arm's length from, that you are held out from, that you don't have the ability to possess or experience. There's a, there's a fullness of your life that you cannot access until generosity becomes a part of who you are. And what's so cool is that when we participate with God in generosity, and generosity has a lot of different faces and it looks a lot of different ways. When we talk about giving to the church, when we talk about the financial gifts that, that, that many of you give to the church, we call that generosity because that is a way that we, in our collective generosity, partner together for the good of God's work in the city where we live, work, learn, and play. Like that's, that's how that works. We, we partner in generosity to see God do good things in the world where we live. Y'all, we're about to pack, Pastor Quentin told you, next Sunday, we're gonna pack 2,500 bags. Can y'all just get the scope of that? And if that doesn't do it, every single child in every elementary school of Kannapolis City Schools, that's every kid, all of them are going to get a gift in the next couple of weeks. Can I let y'all in on a secret? Uh, Pastor Quentin, Pastor Jonah, and Pastor Brian, we didn't pay for all them gifts by ourselves. It's a lot of money. You remember when we did Christmas in July? We took up, we took up a collection. Like that, that was you guys giving for the benefit of the kingdom in our City and God's gonna, God's gonna use that. And then we get to stand back and we get to witness what God is gonna do through our collective generosity. From time to time, we get to experience that on a personal level. You find a way to, to bless somebody in a Lowe's parking lot or do something nice for somebody, give something away that's unexpected, donate some money that people weren't expecting to get. When you do those things unsolicited and then you watch people light up at the joy that, that you created through your generosity, you get to watch what God is doing in their life and then celebrate the goodness of God in their life. And he, get, he used you as the, the method and the vehicle to accomplish it. You get to partner with God in blessing somebody else. Pastor Jonah said it earlier, I'll steal his, I'll steal his vernacular. If that doesn't get your fire burning, your wood's wet, right? If that doesn't get you excited, something, something's missing in you. If you don't enjoy being a blessing to others and then looking for opportunities to do that regularly, man, something's, something's wrong. Something's missing in you. There is something that has yet to be unlocked in you because generosity unlocks stuff in us that nothing else can unlock. So, there, there, there's a challenge in that little discourse that I just offered you. If, if you don't enjoy being generous, if you're not looking for ways to be generous, there's, something, there's, some, there's still something locked up in you. And the only way to get to that is to give generosity a try. You can do that with the financial gift to the church. That's fine. That's great. We love it. We're not going to say No. But, but it doesn't have to be that. Find a way, find a place, find a person, find an opportunity to go and be 
generous. Start looking for them. That's, that's the habit. If you're looking for the, here's your application, go find ways to be generous to people. Find places to invest your time, your talents, your resources. And then you get to enjoy being part of what God is doing in the lives of others. And just like, just like my story with the guy at Lowe's, right? Our generosity has the power and the potential to inspire generosity and service in others. Not only do you get the joy of partnering with God, you get, there's the potential for you to be the motivation for somebody else to do for others what you did for them. That, that, that should inspire and motivate and compel us to live generously as well. So church, let's, let's just be generous people. Let, let's do it because we are the rich in this present age. And God has called us as his followers. Isn't that what God did for us, right? As Christ is, is the key principle of being a follower of Christ, not that we follow Christ, right? It's kind of in the title. If you're a Christ follower, like the application is that you follow Christ. What was the example that he did for us? For God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. For Christ so loved us that he gave his life as a sacrifice for ours. The Holy Spirit so loves that he gives us comfort and guidance and the words to pray when we don't have them to speak, right? All of that is the example that our, our God, the one that we love and that we serve has set for us. He gave and then charged us to go and do Likewise, we give because he gave first. So, so let's do that. Let's go be generous and giving people. Let me pray for us. Father, God, we, we want to possess the true life the identity that is solely and completely founded and grounded in you. God, we want to follow your example of what it looks like to love others so much that the, the giving away of what we have to offer is just, it's just natural, it's just who we are much like it's who you are. And Father, it would be the, the hope and the desire of our heart that when that happens, that it's you that gets the glory. Because God, we are not giving out of what we have earned. We are giving out of what you have first given to us. And God, because it has been gifted to us, God, would you help us to be willing to hold that with an open hand that we might have the opportunity to bless and benefit others in the same way that we've been blessed and benefited by the gift of your son, Jesus. Fathers, we head into this, this Christmas season and mentality. God, may that be the cry and the echo of our hearts that, that Jesus came to give us life 
the truest, fullest, most abundant version of it. And then he called us to go and help others experience the same. And God, I believe that it doesn't happen until we become the generous people you've called us to be. So God, for whatever we're holding on to too tightly, would you give us the the willingness, the boldness, and the obedience to let it go for the blessing and the benefit of others. Father, we thank you for, for who you are, for how you love us, for the example that you gave us in the form of your son, Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen and amen. 